Today's guest has a lot to say about the President of the United States, and in that he is not alone. Everyone has a lot to say about Donald Trump, but there is something just a bit unique about today's guest and his perspective. Hello, everyone. I'm Pamela Brewer, welcoming you to this edition of Mind Talk. I'm very pleased to welcome back to Mind Talk Dr. Justin A. Frank. Dr. Frank is a psychoanalyst in Washington, D.C., and he is the author of Bush on the Couch, Obama on the Couch, and Trump on the Couch. Dr. Frank, welcome back to Mind Talk. Thank you. It's great to be here. Now, uh, Dr. Frank, I want you to tell us you are a psychoanalyst, uh, but you, in fact, have never uh, worked with Mr. Trump uh, clinically. So tell us how you've approached the writing of this and, and your other books about presidential wellness and or the lack thereof. Well, it's uh, applied psychoanalysis is taking psychoanalytic principles and applying them to people who you cannot get in the consulting room uh, for a variety of reasons and doing psychoanalytic research, which means examining everything about them, all their writings, all their public utterances, uh, television appearances, uh, videos, everything, and trying to look for psycho-unconscious patterns that you can see in their behavior, also learning about their history. It's very similar to psychoanalysis, and it was a it was an approach, a clinical professional approach that was started by Freud mm. and then used in the, by the U.S. government in analyzing foreign leaders, uh, using analysts to try to understand the psychology of uh, people we were dealing with. It's a very intense investigation. It takes about two years, really, to do the depth of the work and write about it, which it took me for each of the three presidents I've uh, analyzed. Okay. And I have very specific findings uh, that I've published about them. Let me, be, before we go to your thoughts about our sitting president, uh, I, I just want to check in with you about what you are seeing in your office with respect to your patients uh, uh, being affected by COVID-19, its impact on them, and, of course, his, the, the impact of Donald Trump's perspective on COVID-19. What are you seeing in your office? Well, COVID-19 has affected everyone, including the, both myself and my patients. Uh, and there's a lot of anxiety sort of in the air. Uh, one of the things that I've, first of all, I now see all my patients remotely, mm. either by telephone, by uh, FaceTime, by Skype or by Zoom, and uh, my practice is still uh, pretty full. And the most important thing I notice is uh, loss of sleep, a great deal of anxiety and fear about the future. Uh, some of them feel relieved that their uh, my younger patients who are home with their parents feel relieved to be with family, and uh, they all talk about uh, uh, their fear for the future. I think that the kind of anxiety people feel is not generalizable because the kind of anxiety is still consistent with their own psychology. So 
The people who are obsessive are very worried about always staying clean, always staying tidy. Other people who are more paranoid are worried that somebody's out to get them, that something's out to get them. Uh, the people who felt uncontained by their parents uh, and not held enough or loved enough are people who feel very frightened about what's going on. One of the things that uh, several people have talked about and that I've been aware of is that until President Trump took office, we have had the concept that's never, uh, an experience that's never really been described properly, of having a background father. Uh. We've always had a daddy in the background where we don't have to think about it and we don't have to think about him. But people like Obama, like Clinton, like even Reagan have allowed us to live our lives and made us feel a bit safe so we can go ahead about what we're doing while there's this idea that the government and uh, the roads and water safety and health and, and national defense and all of those things are being taken care of. And what we have now is the loss of a background father. We've had the loss of a background daddy. We have now somebody in the background who is not always there. Uh, in fact, we not only have somebody who is not always there, it's a paradox because he is also impinging on our minds. He is, Im he is impeding our development, but he's making people anxious. So not only is he not in the background as a daddy that's productive, he's in the foreground as somebody who causes anxiety and makes people feel uh, uneasy and insecure about their future and about their safety. So uh, that's a very new experience, and I think that it's very much related to uh, what I've been working on over these years about Trump's psychology, namely that... <clears throat> His own father was uh, tyrannical and frightening, and uh, and he saw as a child his older brother being browbeaten and fighting and arguing with his father, and uh, it frightened Donald. So he wrote that he decided he would never go against his father. Dr. Frank, you're describing a president who grew up essentially being afraid of his father, afraid of authority. Yeah. And what we see from him now is someone who tries to overreach with his, I'll put it in quotes, authority, uh, and in fact frightens people, as you've said, almost at every turn. Yes. What's that about? Is he, is he being his father? Well, he is being very much like his father, and uh, one of the things that he has done is a way of shall we say, perverting his father. He changed some qualities that his father had, and Taylor made them to his own. He's very much like the kind of father who frightens a two-year-old child, says very scary things, makes them anxious. Then the child goes to sleep and has nightmares, and he's the per same father who comes in and turns on the light and says, don't worry, I will make you safe. So, so that's kind of exactly of what total he's... Total control. Yeah. On the one hand, making, the, making, the, making us frightened and then coming in and saying only he can save us. So he turns on the light uh, to make the goblins go away from nightmares. And, and in, in turning on the light in the way that he does, he frightens us even more. 
yes, he frightens us even more because it, it frightens us, but turning on the light is a good thing for kids. The difference is that a healthy father who has children who have uh, night terrors, and all of us did it some way or other when we were kids, a really healthy father gives their child a flashlight so they can turn on their own light and protect themselves and get the goblins to scurry away without being uh, so scared, but, but where they can be uh, taking control. What's happened now is that by turning on the light, he takes away our own control and our own autonomy. And it's very paradoxical because on the one hand, he's very hands-off in terms of not protecting us, but at the same time, he is constantly trying to control what we do and, what, and uh, how we do it. He attacks unconsciously and consciously. He attacks truth. He attacks language. And we are used to, as I said before, having presidents who don't do that. I mean, everybody lies sometimes in politics, but there's never been anything uh, like this before. And I really think that unconsciously it is dangerous to Donald Trump. He perceives it as dangerous if we feel, as a people, too safe, too confident, because then he won't have any power over us. And his need to lie, his need to assert power and say, I see everything, I'm a stable genius, I can do it all, that need is a way of uh, maintaining power and keeping his own frightening father at bay. The irony is that because he's so infantile himself and has never really had to cope with life, he actually was born very rich. He was always protected. Mm. He was The only time he was ever punished was that he was sent away to boarding school because his father couldn't cope with him at home. And uh, that did help a little bit learn teach him to control himself and to make his bed and to keep tidy, which he does now. <clears throat> but that's about it. But what's happened is, because of his behavior and his infantile behavior, he has turned us into parents. We've become the parents. The nation has become the people who learn to uh, quarantine ourselves, who've learned to keep social distance, who've learned over the last year or two to really... Uh, try to listen more carefully and discern as best we can what's lies and what isn't. But um, it's uh, we are the ones who have to set limits with him and not vice versa. Which he doesn't take to very well. You have no. said that in your more than 40 years of experience in psychoanalysis, you've never encountered a subject like Trump. That's a pretty astounding statement. Do you want to modify that at all? Uh, I can modify it by saying that I have not analyzed some very important CEOs of major businesses. I've only done presidents. There's never been a president like him. Okay. Um, there are other people who are CEOs who run family businesses who are tyrannical, uh, who are like him. We've seen people throughout history who are like him. I mean, the most notorious one in the movies to me, was Citizen Kane, uh, uh, William Randolph Hearst, who was very similar to Donald Trump. Uh, tyrannical people 
who want to have everything their way and will change the news and change what people know in order to make sure things stay the way they want, which is in those days under Hearst, it was called yellow journalism, where um, he just made things up uh, to frighten people to retain uh, power. And what Trump has done is um, he feels that the world is a dangerous place where everyone lies and everyone is lied to. So he has to lie better. And the ability to get away with lying in this world that he feels he is stuck in is a source of comfort. And it makes him feel calmer and in control and powerful. At his rallies, when he lies, that we can see on television, at his rallies, when he lies to his followers, they actually feel safer because they're connected in a way uh, to an omnipotent fantasy that when you are a liar and get away with it, you feel all-powerful because you fooled everybody. And it's a great way to retain a sense of power and control. Now, the problem with COVID is that that he can't have power anymore over this virus. I mean, the virus is there, and he has avoided it and evaded it. And that's a whole separate issue, but... um, and it, and it really is coming back to haunt him. Uh, <clears throat> he is also a paranoid person, Trump. And because of that, this virus fits perfectly into his paranoid anxiety. Uh. It's an invisible enemy. Mm-hmm. You can't see it. You can't touch it. You don't know where it's going to hit you. And so it requires massive surveillance. And that's what he's done in his own White House. Everybody says, oh, I don't have to wear, I mean, his followers say, I don't have to wear a mask because Trump is not wearing a mask. Well, Trump is not wearing a mask because every single person who comes in contact with him has been tested over and over and over again in the White House. There is nobody who can get into the Oval Office without having multiple tests about COVID. So Trump is very safe that way. But we don't realize that. Um, and so some of it is uh, is uh, about smoke and mirrors. The other thing that's important with fathers who cannot control their children with fear, there's a second technique they do, which is they do what's called divide and conquer. Uh. They set one child against the other. They set one sibling against the other. And as we all know, the first murder in the Bible was a murder between siblings, Cain and Abel. Um, and so it's not uncommon for sibling rivalry to exist anyway. And what Trump does is he uh, maximizes that and takes advantage of it. So he makes the governors all compete against each other. He makes uh, states compete against each other. He pits Democrats against Republicans. He pits thinking people against the news media and calls it the enemy of the people. Right. These are all aimed at destroying the United States of America, but that's secondary to staying in power. And power for him is really, he can never stop running from his father. He's been running from his father since he was five years old, and he's going to run from his father unconsciously until he dies. And there's different forms of it, and the more power he has he's going to still be more paranoid. He's always going to be paranoid and always going to have to create 
uh, chaos around him so he can be the sane person um, <clears throat> and he can be the person uh, in control. The other th- the thing about his inner world is that he has wanted to see himself identified with his father so he could be a builder like his father. But he's also a destroyer, unlike his father. Let me ask you this, because the picture that you paint is really frightening. It's sort of, you know, down to the marrow frightening. What is your sense of what another four years of Donald Trump would look like for us as a nation? Well, he made a statement the other day that said that if he had not been elected, uh, the world might have end, might be ended by now. I think that's a projection. Uh, and the concept that Freud had was that there's no negatives in the unconscious, that when you say what I'm not, it's often what you are. So when Bush used to say, I'm a uniter, not a divider, that made me right away think, oh, my God, he's a divider. And that turned out to be the case. Mm -hmm. I think that with Trump, four more years will be uh, devastating. We will not have a United States that we know of. I have a feeling that literally states will secede from the Union. I feel that his goal is to have a divided states because the United States is dangerous as much as he wants to be president of it. He has gradually broken down our institutions. He has broken down uh, trust in the FBI. Not that I always trusted the FBI, (laughs) but trust in the FBI, trust in the CIA, um, trust in our State Department. And he has abrogated all treaties in terms of climate change treaties, the Paris Accord in particular. And by doing that, and it's interesting, we're being being interviewed on Earth Day today, that uh, that's the next major looming and chronically uh, developing, evolving disaster. Trump is against anything that involves protecting people. He wants to make people anxious and to keep people from feeling too safe. So he is he is taking away controls on that protect us from. Uh, uh, fracking. He's uh, prote- uh, taken away restrictions that protects drinking water. His attacks on regulations also are unconsciously attacks on parents, attacks on fathers. Everybody at some point in their lives, all of us, would get angry at our parents for making us do our homework or go right. to bed or do this or that, um, clear the table. <clears throat> and Trump has taken that to a massive degree of resentment, which is he hates all regulation. Anything that is a regulation interferes with autonomy and freedom. His idea of freedom is not that different from the idea of license to be able to do whatever a person wants. So I think that he's also going to be, if we have four more years, reinfecting our country with COVID over and over again by this concept he's already started of liberating, liberating the states, liberating people. But these are all attacks on regulations. They're unconscious attacks on his father. All regulations are bad. All rules are bad. All treaties are evil. It means giving up freedom to do what you want because other people are always out to get you. 
So he's a paranoid person, he's a tyrant person, and yet he's in a way uh, passive enough because he never really learned to be powerful other than through instilling fear in others, but not in terms of far-ranging thinking or understanding where people are. Um, He's the ultimate con artist who knows how to take advantage of others and i think it's it is very dangerous yeah it really is frightening uh, i think just justin we're going to take mean, a break lincoln um, lincoln said uh you know with uh at the second inaugural he said with malice towards none with charity towards all that was his last start of his last paragraph of that speech the greatest speech probably ever made one of them Trump is the opposite. Right. He's saying with malice towards all and charity towards none. And that is where we're at. Justin, you know well, we all do, that Trump doesn't like you if you don't like him. He doesn't yeah. like you if you don't worship him. And he doesn't like you if you don't agree with everything he says, no matter what, no matter how far-fetched, and no matter how different from what he said a minute ago. You have been consistently expressing your concerns about the impact of a Donald Trump on our society. I have to imagine that he's aware of you, and I have to imagine that he's not a happy camper. How has this impacted you personally or professionally? You are really quite outspoken about your concerns about a sitting president? I am outspoken, and I have somewhat of a platform for doing that, like one you're affording me uh, today. And um, I have been afraid, uh, to tell you the truth. Um, I get anxious sometimes. Uh, Before talking like this today, I get anxious uh, about two things. One is I'm... I'm less worried about him than I am worried about not being accurate myself mm. and being overly paranoid or myself or overly worried. So one of the ways he's affected me is I sometimes I worry that I'm dominated by my own inner Trump, which is that I become paranoid and suspicious and anxious, which is how he is. And one of the things I've learned in writing all three of these books is that I become at some level identified with both the health and the weakness of the various subjects I've uh, examined. So the first thing has to do with the fear internally of becoming a bit like him and generalizing and being afraid and seeing everything through anti-Trump lenses. Uh, But the second thing is that I've been anxious at night not uh, because uh, of how destructive he really is. I don't feel – I had a very loving mother. I did have a father who would get angry sometimes, not nearly the tyrant that Trump was or is, but I think someone who frightened me at times. So Trump does – fold over into that at times, just to be straightforward and honest about how I feel. But I don't feel afraid because, to me, speaking out makes me less afraid, and I've learned that over the years, that actually speaking out is empowering and emboldening. And the more I do this, the less afraid I am. 
Um, other people have said, how could I write this book? I have a friend who's a lawyer who so I told him I was going to do this, and he right away said, put all your property and everything in your wife's name because Trump is going to destroy you. Mm. Um, and that has not happened, and I don't think it can because, A, I mean, I know he knows about me, but as long as I don't find out specific facts about him and even the facts he can dodge and avoid exactly um i think i feel relatively okay i think what i've learned in all of this behavior is that the more you speak up and the more you stand up the stronger you feel and i'm not afraid of him in a way i'm really not i think i would have been more afraid 10 years ago um and 20 years ago i think that the older i get I really do see that that it is strengthening internally, even though I don't get the results I might always want. Um, so that's my answer to you. He does have a destructive impulse and a destructive part of his personality that's very profound and very powerful. Um, but again, I just... Uh, I was afraid to wear, I was much more afraid, it's interesting, at the end of Obama's presidency to wear an Obama t-shirt on an airplane. Right. In 2016, I found myself anxious about wearing it because I'm aware of the depth of the racism in this country and the depth of the hatred. So I'm worried about those kinds of things. I still am. Uh, The degree of hatred is quite profound. But him, per se, I'm not. I really feel that I'm very clear about who he is, who he isn't, and I feel okay about that. I am worried about his supporters. I am worried about the increase in gun purchases. I am very worried about the depth of his racism and his hatred uh, and how that can infect people because it gives everybody has some hatred. We all do. But he's given people permission and almost license to act on it. And that's very frightening to me. And, you know, as you talk about the the racism that he has certainly worked hard to generate, it almost starts to feel like a conversation about the virus. It Unfortunately, the racism is often not invisible, but there are times when it is very visible, but it seems to be pervasive, uh, sort of never-ending, and people aren't trying to stay away from it. As you said, many people are actually trying to embrace it, the racism, the sexism, the whole nine yards. And you never know where it's going to come from. Right. And I went to medical school in Kentucky, and I, my, uh, the guy who lived in the dorm next to me, not, I mean in the room next to me, not in mine, it was not my roommate, uh, he saw a lynching when he was 11 years mm-hmm. old in Georgia. Uh, and his next-door neighbor was an imperial wizard of the Klan. So, and I got to know him, and he had never met a, I'm Jewish, he had never met a Jew in his life. And we became friendly, but he, it was terrifying in some ways. And if you don't know the person at all, it's really scary. And Absolutely. there's a lot of scary people around. And it is like the virus. Trump is like the virus in that the virus has gotten into our mindset, into our mentality, yeah. into how we think. And that's something that Trump has done. He's really invaded us in a way because of television exposure every day. He's not a background president. He's not a background daddy. He's an ever-present danger.
on that sobering note, thank you very much. <laughs> I am going to say <laughs> thank it's you. Terrible. It, it is. It is. Um, I, I do want to thank you for your time today. I do want to thank you for using your voice as consistently and articulately as you do. How do people get more information about you? How do they become followers of what you're doing? Well, I have a website, which is a little bit outdated under Justin A. Frank, M.D., but I also uh, have a Twitter handle, which is the same as that, and I do write a lot, uh, and I do let people know when I'm going to be on the radio or on television, and uh, you can follow me on Twitter, actually, believe it or not, uh, more than any other way, and hopefully I'm writing some columns and things that uh, will be published soon. All righty. Again, Justin, thank you so much. It's delightful to have you thank back you. on the air. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you. All righty. And, folks, thank you for joining us on this edition of Mind Talk. I encourage you, regardless of your political affiliation, to consider what you've heard and uh, perhaps to engage in some critical thinking moving forward, perhaps to allow yourself to hear opinions that may differ from your own. Mind Talk is brought to you regularly as an educational public service. You can listen to Mind Talk online on demand by going to mynd.talk.org. There are many other platforms uh, that uh, are uh, on which Mind Talk is accessible. And let me just close by reminding you that if it is unacceptable, that is precisely what it is. Unacceptable. You take care. Thank you.